0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe. And plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Pop quiz, what can you buy for $3.99? Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash bestmusic music for details.
1: The Great Depression was a period of 10 years between 1929 and 1939, where the entire world saw a massive economic downturn. In the United States, the unemployment rate skyrocketed to over 20% when construction and factory production nearly stopped, and with an absence of jobs, some people resorted to crime in order to get by. The story of Bonnie and Clyde is one of the most well-known stories of a criminal couple in the entire world. It's become so romanticized that people tell it as if it was a beautiful love story, when in reality, it's the story of a boy who murdered anyone in his path so he didn't have to work for what he got, and a girl so codependent she refused to leave him. This is Monsters. Bonnie Elizabeth Parker was born on October 1, 1910, in Rowena, Texas. Her father, a bricklayer, died when she was four years old, and her mother then supported Bonnie and her two siblings by working as a seamstress. Bonnie dropped out of school at the age of 15 and married her boyfriend, Roy Thornton, just six days before her 16th birthday. It's clear that Bonnie was attracted to bad boys because Roy was constantly in and out of jail and their union only lasted about two and a half years. Bonnie famously kept a journal and she wrote about multiple times the couple had split up in 1927. She wrote, We're separated again for the third and last time. The first time, August 9th through 19th, 1927, and the second time, October 1st through 19th, 1927 and the third time, December 5th, 1927. I love him very much and miss him terribly, but I intend on doing my duty. I am not going to take him back. She did, however, take him back in 1929 for a very brief period before leaving him for good. Even though they were no longer together, they never officially divorced and Bonnie would still be wearing her wedding ring the day of her death. Clyde Chestnut Barrow. That's right, his middle name was Chestnut, which I think is super badass. Apparently he didn't agree, though, because he eventually listed it as champion when he entered prison in 1930. Lame. Anyway, he was born on March 29th, 1909 to a poor farming family in Ellis County, Texas. When their farm failed due to drought, they resettled in the slums of West Dallas, which was referred to as the Devil's Back Porch. Clyde left school at the age of 16 to pursue his dream of becoming a musician. He had learned to play guitar and saxophone, but instead of becoming a musician, his older brother Buck got him into a life of petty theft and stealing cars. This was a time when cars began using electric starters and Buck had learned how to hotwire them. He passed that skill on to his little brother and they began using theft as a means of living above the poverty line. The first time Clyde was arrested was actually for running when police confronted him about a rental car he didn't return on time. He was arrested again shortly after for possession of stolen goods. It was turkeys. He was arrested for having stolen turkeys. He spent a few more years cracking safes, stealing cars, and robbing stores. Bonnie and Clyde met in January of 1930 and became instantly smitten with each other. They spent quite a bit of time together, but after only a few weeks, Clyde was arrested for various auto thefts. He was placed in a jail in Waco while awaiting trial. Though only together for a short time, Bonnie and Clyde had developed an unwavering attachment to each other. Clyde suffered unbearable heartache while he was in prison and Bonnie knew she would do anything to get him out. Clyde knew where Bonnie could find a gun, so on one of her visits he passed her a note that instructed her to smuggle it into him. She hid the gun under her dress and got the weapon into the prison. On March 11, 1930, Clyde used that gun to break himself and his cellmates out of the joint. Their freedom was short-lived, as they were arrested two weeks later, and Clyde was sentenced to 14 years of hard labor at Easton Prison Farm. This prison was known as one of the most violent prisons in Texas. This was a complex that's sole purpose was punishment. The inmates worked all day as slaves, and if they got out of line, they were beaten. While there, Clyde was repeatedly sexually assaulted by another inmate. Eventually, Clyde snuck a lead pipe into the prison and lured his attacker into the bathroom. As soon as the man came into sight, Clyde beat him on the head with the pipe, killing him. Another inmate who was already serving a life sentence took the blame for the killing. Fed up with hard labor, Clyde convinced another inmate to use an axe to cut off two of his toes and make it look like a work accident. He was hoping that the act would get him paroled. Unbeknownst to him, his mother had already pleaded with the governor to grant her son parole, and he was released two weeks later in February of 1932. He would spend the rest of his life walking with a limp due to the stunt with the axe, and would also no longer be able to wear shoes while he drove a car. For a brief period of time after his release from prison, Clyde made an effort to go straight, working at a glass factory. He eventually lost his job due to constant harassment from the police and decided to put together a gang. Along with Bonnie Parker, he and his gang began robbing shops and gas stations. In April of 1932, Bonnie and one of the other gang members were arrested during a botched hardware store robbery where they were trying to steal guns. You see, Clyde was trying to gather enough money and firepower to launch a liberation raid on the Easton prison. His time in prison had only made him more resentful of the law and he wanted to free all the inmates from the place they called Bloody Ham. While Bonnie was in jail awaiting a grand jury to convene, she wrote poetry to pass the time, mostly about her relationship with Clyde. On the outside, Clyde and his gang was continuing their crime spree. A store owner was killed during a robbery in Hillsboro, Texas, and Clyde was identified as the shooter. He was also said to have shot a police officer, which turned him into a highly wanted man. Back in court, Bonnie claimed that she had been kidnapped by the Barrow gang, which made the grand jury fail to indict her, so she was released after a few months and rejoined Clyde. They continued on with more murders, robberies, and stolen cars. They began working a system where they were always on the move. Authorities never had time to catch them because by the time the investigation started, they would be across county lines. They left Texas and hit Oklahoma, then Missouri, Iowa, Illinois, and even Ohio. Clyde used the expanding U.S. highway system to make his way around the country, committing crime and disappearing. On April 30, 1932, store owner J.N. Butcher was shot and killed during a robbery by Clyde and his gang. On August 5, Clyde and his accomplices were drinking moonshine outside of a country dance in Oklahoma when Sheriff C.G. Maxwell and Deputy Eugene Moore approached. The outlaws open-fired on the two lawmen, killing Deputy Moore and wounding Sheriff Maxwell. On Christmas Day, Clyde and a friend were stealing a car in Temple, Texas, when the owner, Doyle Johnson, came outside attempting to stop them. He was shot and killed by the thieves. 1933 wasn't any less deadly for anyone who encountered Clyde and his gang. On January 6th, they stumbled upon a police trap intended for another criminal, and Clyde killed Deputy Malcolm Davis with a shotgun. On March 22nd, Clyde's brother, Buck, was granted a full pardon from the prison sentence he was serving for various thefts. Ma Ferguson, who was the first female governor of Texas, handed out pardons to solve the overcrowding problem in prisons. Once out of prison, Buck and his wife Blanche joined Bonnie and Clyde's gang. How does that conversation go? Honey, it's all good, I'm about to get a pardon and then we can join my little brother's gang. I guess that was the type of family that both the Barrows and the Parkers were. Bonnie and Clyde were still very close to their families and they would come back to visit them often. They would meet up at parks where they would eat and talk. Bonnie would give her family gifts and money and her mother tried to get her to leave the life of crime. It's said that even Clyde tried to get her to leave him so she would be safe but she refused to go. This is commonly turned into a love story describing her dedication to Clyde and how she loved him too much to leave him. But we shouldn't be looking at their relationship that way. Their relationship wasn't built on love and was actually quite dysfunctional. It's believed that Bonnie suffered from a condition called hybristophilia, which is when someone gets turned on when their partner commits a violent crime. It's actually nicknamed Bonnie and Clyde Syndrome. There's no evidence that Bonnie herself ever killed anyone, and outside of photographs, she never wielded a gun. She would stay inside the car when robberies took place, but she enjoyed seeing Clyde commit crime, and Clyde fed off of that. Being unwilling to stop putting yourself in danger in order to be with someone is not devotion, it's codependency. Once Buck and Blanche joined the gang, they all began living together in an apartment in Joplin, Missouri. Historians say that Joplin was filled with bootleggers at the time, so there was always an excess of law enforcement around, making it curious why they would pick that city to lay low in. It didn't help that they were also not doing a very good job of staying inconspicuous. They had loud card games, came and went at all hours, discharged weapons, and made no effort to keep it down in a quiet little neighborhood. The neighbors became suspicious and called the police, which ended in a shootout. Two officers were killed, and all of the outlaws got away. Clyde was hit with a bullet, but it deflected off of a button on his coat. Talk about luck. Even though they escaped, they had to leave all of their possessions behind. Weapons, ammo... Buck's parole papers, and some rolls of undeveloped film. The film was processed by the Joplin Globe, and this is where most of the famous pictures of Bonnie and Clyde came from. They had taken quite a few pictures of both of them standing by their stolen Ford, pointing guns at each other, and messing around. This is also where the picture of Bonnie with a cigar in her mouth was published, starting the rumor that she was a cigar-smoking, gun-toting killer. The newspapers called her the Cigar-Smoking Gun Mall. Bonnie hated it so much that she later told a victim who was left alive, Tell him I don't smoke cigars, before driving off. We'll be right back. Meet Amy. Amy is a simply safe customer and a chronic sleepwalker who lives near a four-lane highway. One night, a few months ago, she sleptwalked out of her bedroom and then continued right out the front door. That's a dangerous situation. She could have been heading for a big accident. Luckily, as she walked out of her house, the Simply Safe entry sensor on her front door triggered a 95 decibel siren in the base station. That's loud. Loud enough, in fact, to wake her up before she wandered into the street or some other trouble. Seconds later, Amy even got a call from Simply Safe checking to make sure that everything was okay. Amy was a little groggy, but she was just fine. Protecting people in ways they never could have imagined is just one of the reasons more than 4 million people use and love Simply Safe. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at SimplySafe.com forward slash this is monsters. Go today and claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to Simplysafe.com forward slash this is monsters. The gang traveled the Midwest, committing crime and evading the police for the next few months. On june tenth, nineteen thirty-three, near Wellington, Texas, Barrow missed a sign warning of bridge construction ahead and crashed their car into a ravine. The car burst into flames, and though Clyde was thrown free, Bonnie was trapped inside. Some nearby residents helped pull her from the car, but she had gotten third degree burns on her right leg. From then on, Bonnie walked with a limp until the damage got so severe that she eventually had to start hopping on her good leg or having someone carry her. When police stopped to investigate the accident, Clyde forced them into the back of their car at gunpoint and drove them 50 miles down the road before setting them free. They tried to lay low and nurse Bonnie's injury in Oklahoma, but after the gang botched a robbery and killed a town marshal, police were getting close so they fled the area. They ended up renting a motel room in Platte City, Missouri, and Clyde went to the pharmacy to buy supplies and medicine to help treat Bonnie's leg. The police had sent out a bulletin to keep a lookout for people trying to buy first aid supplies like bandages and burn creams, so the pharmacist notified the police. The authorities were able to follow Clyde and started surveillance on the motel where the gang was staying. The sheriff put together a team and went in at 11 p.m. to try to arrest Bonnie, Clyde, and the gang. What the sheriff didn't know was that the gang had just stolen some Browning automatic rifles from the Army National Guard Armory in Enid, Oklahoma, just earlier that month. These rifles proved to be far superior to the Thompson submachine guns that the sheriffs were using. When a stray bullet short-circuited the horn in one of the police vehicles, they mistook it for a signal to cease fire and didn't continue pursuing the gang as they escaped. Even though all five people in the gang escaped police, Buck had been struck in the head by a bullet, and though he was still alive, it didn't look like he would be for long. The bullet left a hole in his forehead that exposed his brain. Blanche had been injured by glass fragments in both eyes and she was nearly blind. The heat was on and their prospects weren't looking good. Surprisingly, Buck would live for ten more days with a gaping hole in his head. Bonnie and Clyde had poured peroxide into the wound and cleaned it out. Doctors would later comment in their report about how clean the wound was considering the circumstances. Even though Buck was conscious sometimes and was able to talk and eat, Clyde and one of the other gang members, W.D. Jones, dug a grave for him. They weren't expecting him to last much longer. On July 24th, five days after the shootout that wounded Buck and Blanche, the police were tipped off that the gang was camping out in an abandoned amusement park in Dexter, Iowa. Locals noticed bloody bandages, and it was determined that it was the Barrow gang. Not only did local lawmen surround the group, but it's said that a hundred spectators also surrounded the area to watch the impending shootout. Let's just stop and let that sink in for a minute. A hundred people gathered around to watch authorities approach a gang of notoriously deadly criminals who had shown no problem killing police and anyone else who got in their way. The 1930s sounded like an adventurous time. During the shootout, Bonnie, Clyde, and D.W. Jones were all injured but managed to escape. Buck was shot in the back and arrested along with Blanche. Blanche would eventually recover from her injuries but lost sight in one eye. She was eventually sentenced to 10 years in prison. Buck was taken to the hospital where he had shockingly survived being shot in the head and in the back, but died five days later of pneumonia. The three remaining gang members laid low for a while, traveling around in a wider area than they usually did and committing smaller thefts just to get by. Clyde and W.D. stole weapons and ammo from an armory in Platteville, Illinois. Soon afterward, W.D. Jones left Clyde and Bonnie. The couple went down to their hometown in Texas to visit family in November of 1933. The local sheriff had learned of the visit and planned an ambush. Clyde believed his family was supposed to be waiting for him in their car, but as Clyde approached, he sensed a trap and drove right past the vehicle. At this point, the authorities opened fire at Bonnie and Clyde. They managed to escape, but one bullet went through the car and hit both Bonnie and Clyde in their legs. At the end of 1933, a grand jury indicted Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow for the murder of Tarrant County Deputy Malcolm Davis. This was Bonnie's first murder warrant. In an effort to start the new year off with a bang, Clyde orchestrated the January 1934 prison break at the Easton Prison Farm. Remember, Clyde had wanted to organize a prison break a year and a half ago due to his unrelenting desire for revenge against the Texas Department of Corrections. He hid pistols in a ditch near the prison and covered the escapees with machine gun fire. Two guards were shot, with one of them being killed. Five inmates managed to escape, and one of them was a man named Henry Methvin, who quickly joined Clyde's gang. By the time Clyde Barrow and Henry Methvin shot and killed two young Texas highway patrolmen, the police, sheriffs, the FBI, and the Texas Rangers were out in full force in an effort to put Bonnie and Clyde's crime spree to an end. The media had exaggerated the murders of the two patrolmen, saying Bonnie laughed about how one patrolman's head bounced like a rubber ball on the ground when he was shot. This reporting turned the public against the two celebrity criminals and turned up the pressure for authorities to stop the gang. On May 19, 1934, Henry Methvin ran into a diner to grab some sandwiches for the gang. While he was inside, a police car drove by and spooked Clyde, causing him to drive away. Henry was able to hitchhike back to his parents' house, and while there, he told his father that the gang had planned a rendezvous spot in the event that they got separated. Henry's father, Ivan Methvin, had been harassed by police to give them information about his son, so Ivan reported the planned meeting to authorities in exchange for not giving his son the death penalty. It's unclear whether or not Henry knew about this deal, and none of the accounts of the ambush mention him being there. In the early morning hours of May 23, 1934, a posse of six various law enforcement officers hid in the bushes as Bonnie and Clyde drove down the road toward them. They had Ivan Methvin put his vehicle in the road and remove a tire to look like he had broken down. When Clyde slowed down to see if Ivan needed help, the posse opened fire on the vehicle, killing both Bonnie and Clyde. Each of the officers had a shotgun, a rifle, and a pistol. It's reported that they all unloaded their shotguns, then all unloaded their rifles, then all unloaded their pistols into the car as it rolled past them and into a ditch. Dallas County Sheriff's Deputies Alcorn and Hinton wrote in their reports, We kept shooting at the car even after it stopped. We weren't taking any chances. The official coroner's report on Bonnie and Clyde states that there were 17 bullet wounds on Clyde and 26 on Bonnie. They complained that it was difficult to embalm the bodies due to the amount of holes. After the assault, officers found stolen automatic rifles, sawed-off shotguns, various pistols, and thousands of rounds of ammunition in the car. They also found 15 different license plates from different states. Word of the incident traveled fast, and people began showing up trying to get a look at the scene and also to grab a souvenir. Officers saw one woman cut a lock of bloody hair and a swatch of dress off of Bonnie. Another officer had to stop a man from cutting off Clyde's trigger finger. When the coroner arrived on the scene, he claimed nearly everyone had begun collecting souvenirs such as shell casings, slivers of glass from the shattered car windows, and bloody pieces of clothing from the garments of Bonnie and Clyde. One eager man had opened his pocket knife and was reaching into the car to cut off Clyde's left ear. The bullet-riddled Ford was towed, with the dead bodies still inside, to the Conger Furniture Store and Funeral Parlor in downtown Arcadia. Talk about your one-stop shopping. Drop Grandma off at the funeral home and pick up a new dining table. Bonnie and Clyde had requested to be buried side by side, but they were ultimately laid to rest separately. Bonnie's mother said, Clyde had her while she was alive. He doesn't get her in death. Bonnie was initially buried in the Fishtrap Cemetery, but was moved in 1945 to the New Crown Hill Cemetery in Dallas. Clyde was buried in Western Heights Cemetery in Dallas next to his brother, Marvin. The Barrow brothers shared a single granite marker with their names on it and a four-word epitaph previously selected by Clyde. Gone, but not forgotten. The bullet-riddled Ford in which the pair were killed and the shirt Clyde wore on the last day of his life have been in Whiskey Pete's, a casino in Prim, Nevada, since 2011. In February of 1935, Dallas and federal authorities took 20 family members and friends of Bonnie and Clyde to court and tried them for harboring the fugitives. All 20 either pleaded guilty or were found guilty for aiding and abetting and were sentenced to various prison terms, the max being two years. The shortest was Clyde's teenage sister, Marie Barrow, who was sentenced to one hour in custody. Were these two just born evil? Did the Great Depression cause them to feel they had no other options than to live a life of crime on the run? We'll never know, but the idea that these were two lovebirds so devoted to each other was just media sensationalism. Clyde was more willing to kill people than he was to work for his money, and Bonnie enjoyed watching him commit crime. They spent three years raining terror across the United States as they took what they pleased and killed in order to get it. They were not Romeo and Juliet. They were monsters. Someday they'll go down together, and they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harm in yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and we'll talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe.
0: Stream the biggest movies and TV shows for free on Pluto TV. Watch movies like Titanic and G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, plus TV shows like CSI and Star Trek The Next Generation. Starting this month, check out the 24-7 Stargate channel exclusively on Pluto TV, plus hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and TV shows absolutely free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device and start watching today. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up? You lose your license? You lose your job? You total your car? You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. No. Good boy. Keep your hat on, pet. Why? We're playing dinner at the North Pole, remember? So we need to wear our big warm coats inside. When it comes to food or heat, many families will face impossible choices this Christmas. Please support the St. Vincent de Paul annual appeal. Donate locally or at svp.ie. Thank you. Did you hear that? Wine and champagne is 20% off. And that? Medium selection boxes like Skittles and Cadbury mix and match any three for five euro. 20 and 24 can boxes of Coke, Diet Coke and Coke Zero are just €12. Euro. Have you got any 10 off 50s? And that's the sound of better value. Every week leading up to Christmas, there's new savings to be had. Dunn stores make Christmas for everyone. Terms and conditions apply. Vouching abuse to Ex grocery shop of €50 euro or more. Vouch excludes alcohol. Please drink sensibly.
1: Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather. Predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's You Know What. So much for Lucky 7.
0: But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. See sertaireland.ie